0: Greetings, travelers, and welcome to the Geronimo Draws Podcast. I'm Robert Geronimo, creator of the Blood Realm comic series, and in this episode, Tyler and I will be discussing divine kingship in the ancient world. Also, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share, as it does help the channel grow. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Greetings, travelers, and welcome to Geronimo Draws Live. I am ready for another historic discussion today with my co-host, Mr. Tyler Wetton. How are you, my friend?
1: Great. How are you, sir?
0: Good. You feeling all right?
1: (laughs) I am. Yes. Yes. If I I have to cough a bit, I will mute myself, but (laughs) doing okay.
0: I appreciate your power and through for the discussion today. <laughs> we turned a corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Um, really looking forward every every month to do these. So I'm thrilled that you guys are enjoying these discussions. It's yes. like I said, this is stuff that Tyler and I would be talking about if we were just hanging out at a bar. You're <laughs> not, yeah. <laughs> right. So I uh, will get right into it. So today's topic is God Kings divine kingship in the ancient world and i've been covering a couple of people here right so i know you've been doing a little bit of research on Mm -hmm. you said vikings and germanic uh, history
1: i looked at well first i looked at um, how kingship came about in ancient israel the old testament Mm -hmm. and then um because that has a later influence on um those same European kingdoms when Christianity is introduced. But then I looked at Germanic, um, King kingdoms and, uh, their call to a divine lineage as well. And it's, I looked at, uh, Germans, I looked at, um, Viking kingdoms and then some of the uh, Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. So they're all related. No, yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. I'll just start off with some things that I've noticed in terms of the iconography and how a lot of these kings kind of establish mm-hmm. uh, that divine rule. Because they don't just do it uh, in, I would say, their, uh, you know just by claiming it and in their texts, in their writings, right? Mm-hmm. It's also about how they're presented in art, which mm-hmm. is incredibly crucial. Mm-hmm. to getting that message out there that yep. I am divine and yep. let me just scream it. And it, with, with the biggest sculpture that has all of these symbols that reinforce that, you mm-hmm. know, and you think of right away, um, ancient Egypt, right? You have Ramses the mm-hmm. second. In fact, all the pharaohs, we talked about it uh, privately too. Maybe even before in another episode about the, the significance of the pharaonic beard, yep. right? How it's, it's meant to signify the status of a living God because they believe the gods. I believe even Osiris has that that beard.
1: Yeah, to differentiate him from...
0: Right, right, exactly. So, and Ramses in particular would make these colossal statues. I mean, huge limestone statues, mm-hmm. uh, like the size of kaijus. <laughs> 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 no? And to really show that scale, right? To reinforce yeah. the scale that I'm this big and you will always be this small. Mm-hmm. You know? Like they like to put that in there. Uh, now, go ahead. Can I yeah. ask, did the people,
1: to your understanding, did the people, um, Were they, were they feeling this sort of like, Godlike like fear um, did they take pride in knowing that their god was also this big in terms of like protecting them was there pride in Egypt in um, having that massive
0: presence? Well, so I don't know 100% but I do know that there is a, a theme that runs throughout ancient Egypt, it's, it's, it's about the order like social order and cosmic order, they have to have a ruler and has to be divine Otherwise, there's there's like panic, you know? So I can imagine them being very proud of that in a way. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure in a way too, they they must have feared the power of the pharaoh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to have that. But th- that's actually a good segue because there's only, there's a, I would say there's maybe two, uh, if I remember correctly, aside from Cleopatra, uh, actual female pharaohs. Hmm. Uh, but the thing is, though, the most prominent one is Hatshepsut. Mm-hmm. But, what, but what I find fascinating, what I'm tying this in with, is you know, is, is that in in the social order and the cosmic order, a woman could not rule according to the order of Maat, mm-hmm. right? Who was the the goddess of of justice and and order, most importantly. And it was this idea that if a woman ruled, that it would, it would disrupt everything. A man had to rule. That's why there's no, I would say, a, uh, a the female version of pharaoh the word does not exist mm. in the egyptian language it's either king's wife or king's mother uh-huh. so there's no word for queen rather so would it catch, disrupt
1: would it yeah. disrupt the order because she was a goddess and so that feminine ruler would then be in competition with the divine ruler
0: oh interesting i actually i actually don't know that that's that's something i'm going to research after this that's a really interesting point hmm it could be uh, but then then again, you had Osiris, you have Amun-Ra, who's the sun god, mm-hmm. unless maybe because Amun-Ra is the so the supreme god, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. like, no, you have to mirror, you okay. have to be the, the, probably okay. the, the mirror of that god, the physical representation of Amun-Ra. Sure. I, I admit that could possibly be it. So what put did, <clears throat> right, was commission an insane amount of artwork to basically masculinize herself. So she has oh, the pharaonic beard. She is dressed in the full male garb. And that <laughs> kind of quelled the, the the chaos in the people because they were like, what, 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 what? Oh, no, no. But but look, I'm doing everything. <laughs> I put on is- the costume. I, exactly. <laughs> I put on the costume. She appropriated a male right. garb and she this- was able to... Put them at ease yes exactly and and she did that heavily with and she commissioned so much artwork you know to do that because you could not disobey ma'at and uh this way keeping world peace, and of course so the people would support her mm-hmm.
1: so, well I mean you think of that I mean, any kind of ruler is meant to be they're 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 an they're like a the principle of their nation they're the their singular embodiment of that nation for better or worse, yes right I'm just uh, thinking about a lot of things right now by no saying no that. <laughs> no it, right no it, the second you said that too i'm like whoa it's like oh no but <laughs> so it's like it is so important that she do that yeah. to keep the peace with her people i mean and i i'm curious how did she feel about that you know it's just like oh, man i've gotta like to take on that that new you know yeah costume that new that new identity to to pacify the people i mean it could also it could just be the mark of a Good, of a good ruler at the time sure. i
0: suppose she does have a successful reign you know that's and, amazing but she had a lot of backlash for sure she had a lot of backlash really yeah so then when her when she passed you know they tried to destroy all of the imagery of her oh, oh man. it's really it's really fascinating stuff but there's some people who claim she was a usurper there's all this other stuff so there's some things we don't know a hundred percent but so yeah, so just establishing how you have to have the iconography, right? So if you're mm. going to be a god king, mm-hmm. you need to have the costume as you as you said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to not have. trying to be disrespectful, but you no. got to look the part. Exactly, you have to look the part. And I feel the other person who knew this, and I'm, I'm not—I didn't want to spend too much time on ancient Egypt. You know, sure. just uh, is Rome because I want to work our way up you mm-hmm. know, a little bit. Uh, and I think of right away Augustus. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. S- yeah. I mean, he completely not only took advantage of the divinity that Julius Caesar had claimed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because he's the nephew of Julius Caesar.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: also saw the power of art, like Hep And he has all of this artwork commissioned, especially the famous statue of Augustus Prima Porta, mm-hmm. where he's, he's orating to the people, right? And on his on his breastplate, right, of the armor. Uh, you have all of his his accomplishments, how everything's blessed by by the gods. But then there's a Cupid riding a dolphin next to his leg, right? And that's the direct connection he makes to Venus. And this is what we're going get to get get into too, because that lineage, mm-hmm. right? the, claiming the lineage yep. is so important. And because I believe, you, all right, if you're not going to claim that you are a living God, at least claim I'm the descendant of one. Well, the
1: interesting thing is, and I can connect this to the ancient Germans. So like, I mean, and comparatively to the Romans, they're mm-hmm. in a backwater. They're literally living in these forests and marshes. Right. Um. So <laughs> hard to compare. But the interesting thing about the Germans was that you had, you didn't necessarily need a king. So unlike the Egyptians, you didn't need a king. You had, you could have a king or you could have what they called a Graf. Now, a mm-hmm. gruff was... Not was a man not of a royal family, but who was uh voted by the chieftains to lead the people. Now the difference between a graf and the king, the only difference is that a king is from a royal family. Now, how do you establish what a royal family is? Mm. The royal family is a family that claims their lineage from Odin, from oh. Tyr, from a god, essentially. That's what and the thing is, all the German clans had these families from time immemorial. So they would just say, Okay, these are these are our particular families and it wasn't um by succession either. So if the king died, oh. it wasn't his son who's necessarily voted in immediately. You know, the chieftains could pick someone else from that royal family to lead them. Really? But that's it's the weirdest thing. Like I had to read it like three times, so it's like <laughs> and that's really just what separate and I got it from um this old book the invasion of the barbarians Ooh, by jb burry <laughs> yeah we only know the kingly family was supposed to be the most ancient of all the families of the folk mm-hmm. and that it traced its origin to a god and the families possessing this right seem to have existed among all the german folk so all among all the german tribes people
0: so so you're saying that each each tribe kind of claimed lineage to a different god each tribe had a
1: family or families oh. Who would tr- who would claim that lineage. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, what's funny is that that's exactly what the Julian family of the Julius Caesar, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they claimed, uh, they chose, well, not chose, but they, they claimed that their lineage went back. Like they basically established this connection to Venus. Right, who is also mm-hmm. Aphrodite in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and 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 again, that's exactly what Augustus really like, re, you know, emphasizes in that sculpture. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite sculptures. It's it's so incredibly powerful because what's mm-hmm. funny is that he commissions it when he's like in his seventies, but he makes himself look like this twenty year old yes. idealized man. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? It's I mean, wild. you know, and he's jacked, but it's so wild because he's orating, he has his hands up, so it's mm-hmm. like is he rallying the troops? You know, but like there's this is this engagement with the people because he has his mm-hmm. arm up and it's like, he's like addressing his people and the people who walked around the town square you know so it's it's different because when you look at the Ramsey sculptures, it's very much like I'm in this little niche and and I'm staring out into space because mm-hmm. i'm not you're not even worth my time to look at because I have the otherworldly gaze you know? mm. it's you know so the kingly gaze yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Augustus is literally engaging the people which is so fascinating. Is but, that do yeah, you think
1: technological advancement in Rome or is that that the Romans trying to really um capture their leader in an idol? Because I mean mm. that that yeah. you'd have family idols that you would worship there but you the whole all these pagan peoples would create an idol out of wood or stone or stuff and mm. they'd worship it.
0: This wouldn't be meant to be worshiped. Okay. No, okay. this is meant to, to basically be a public monument in like a, an open mm-hmm. space where the people would convene, where they would walk by and it would basically remind them who's in charge. But also listen, I'm a good leader. I have my hand up. I'm dressing the troops mm. and I'm, I'm, you know, and all that stuff. So it's, 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 it's different. So they wouldn't worship the statue of Omosis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but he's ever present. Right, exactly. He's always there, you know, exactly. And they, they trace that lineage to Venus because uh, we, we mentioned this before, but we were a little unsure. And then I remembered going through my notes here uh, that Venus, right, is the goddess of love and the warrior uh, Aeneas. He's the cousin of Hector right? mm. from, the, from the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. And that's where they believe their lineage comes from. The Rome, yes, okay, yes. I've so heard this got word. It.
1: <laughs> The Roman line <laughs> mm-hmm. from the Trojans, yes, via Hector, via well, via Aeneas, Aeneas,
0: was the cousin of Hector. But wow, uh, yeah, so that's, so it's Aeneas, right? The, the the great warrior, the great Trojan warrior, who eventually <laughs> Romulus would be a descendant of. That's the connection. That's incredible. Romulus and Remus, but obviously Remus yeah. kicks the bucket after yeah. Romulus <laughs> kills him. <laughs> That's fascinating because
1: you have something as big as Rome, you know, with this line that goes all the way back to ancient Greece. Right. And then, but even the the Germans in the North, they're tracing some kind of line and the, the differentiator between King, and you know, I don't know. Say, whatever the equivalent of prime minister was, mm. was that divine link? Interesting. You know? yeah, that di- but that divinity is what it's like. That divinity is what creates the king or the emperor.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. You have to have that line. I mean, the mm-hmm. same thing in in the Old Testament, right? It's always when you really when you go through the Old Testament, it's constantly going through these the descendants of of kings, right? Yeah.
1: And the people that actually said it, because like I read, you know, some of these chapters in the Bible and it's like so many names, and i I skip over them, but right. then I'll listen to a podcast and yeah. someone's like, Do you know this name means this? And this is linked to that. I'm like, oh my I I didn't know that. <laughs> but then the other thing that was interesting about um saying the old testament
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that at first in the story they don't the Israelites don't have a king. And That's God right. doesn't want them to have a king.
0: That's right. Is that? Oh, I forgot that.
1: That's right. So it's like so there. There's this weird thing that happens where the Israelites they want, con- they want contradictory things. Mm-hmm. They want to be God's chosen people. Right. They like that. But then <laughs> after the exile, you know, after they you know reach the promised land, they want to have a king and be like other nations. So they they, they want two kind of things that are in tension. Mm. But so after their exile, God grants them judges, which I guess are prophets or they're prophet like. Right. Um, who is meant to mediate between the people and God. And uh, Gideon's oh. the first judge who yeah. is made judge after de- defeating the Midianites with 300 men.
0: Oh, wow. Against, it was like
1: thousands. Yeah. I like oh, that. Cool. I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but then after, what is it? After. Fifteen judges we get to the prophet Samuel, and mm-hmm. Samuel's sons are priests, and they're abusing the people they're taking oh. more from the people they're taking you know what's not theirs it's and inevitable. so the it happens and so <laughs> and so the people demand a king they want a king to rule and to enforce law and order mm-hmm. um, and Samuel's not happy about it but God says, it's not you they're rejecting, they're rejecting me. Essentially, the the, the way it's set up is if <clears throat> God says, if you want a king, mm-hmm. you are rejecting me and my leadership, wow. me, wow. I, who who took you out of Egypt.
2: Yeah, right.
1: And so God appoints Saul, Saul mm-hmm. who stood head and shoulders above the people is the quote. And I thought that was really interesting because what oh, you're God. saying before, we're talking to these statues, we're talking about these There's a presence to the Mm. king. The king carries the gods in his person. Right. And so Israel's first king stands head and shoulders above the
0: people. Above the people. Above the people. So he had the stature.
1: He had a stature. Yep. Saul had a stature. After, yeah, he looked apart. After God appoints Saul, then Saul and Samuel share a meal. Samuel anoints Saul with oil on the edge of town. They're in, Benj- in the town of Benjamin. And something about oil. I don't know. Nerds at home might find this interesting. The reason mm. that we use oil in chrismation, and the reason mm. that like shiny objects, gold, things like that, the reason that we use them, the reason that they're precious, is they capture the light.
2: Oh,
1: wow. And especially, <laughs> so say with a chrismated oil, with a oil that's... um been blessed it's been set aside for this purpose to capture the light of god that's placed on saul by god's chosen prophet and then (laughs) (laughs) i've got a few few more and then i'll please please i'm loving this saul defeats the ammonites right and then saul is then made king but he's made king in the presence of the lord so he's Mm. he's taken and it's and it's done I think in the in the tabernacle or in in front of the um, tabernacle
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it but the important thing is it's done in the presence of God right you know there's it's you've got to have this divine link Mm -hmm. and so then Saul is asked essentially the same as the Israelites God's only asking him to remain faithful but Mm -hmm. when the first time the chips are down and it seems like all hope is lost like Saul's told wait for Samuel samuel will come don't do anything until samuel comes and samuel's not there yet and it seems like everything's gonna be over saul makes a sacrifice and he he gets a sacrifice he makes it real quick and then he He by doing that yeah he fails to remain faithful
0: oh my god
1: he loses faith he follows his own will rather than god's and from there his kingship is doomed that that divine link is broken. And so then, God says, I, I'm going to, In the quote is, seek a man after, or Samuel tells Saul, God seeks a man after his own heart, who will be David, oh. from whom Christ is descended, which is yes. inevitably where we're gonna go. And then, one important thing I'll just say about David, and I'll stop, Sure, is then later on, even as David is hunted by Saul is you know is is I like remember
0: that he hunts him
1: oh yeah it gets to a point where where Saul's starting to lose it and so he's like hunting David David's hiding in the wilderness David <clears throat> at one point he has a clear shot at Saul he refuses to kill him oh wow he the David won't take the crown because he knows the crown must come from God from God. It's for anybody who's like, whether you're a religious person or not, the yeah. book of Samuel and the book of Kings, like that's, not, that's like Shakespeare level literature. It's great. Oh my
0: goodness. I don't remember these
1: details, and that's brilliant. I'm in the book of Judges right now. So it actually was a oh. really great time for this
0: podcast. Oh, that's incredible. You know what's so funny? What you just said, too, about Samuel, essentially. Uh, taking the kingship for himself, right? in a way, I know he doesn't usurp anyone, but he essentially usurps God there, right? In a way, right? Right? It, it, Samuel it, or Saul? I'm sorry, Saul. I'm sorry, Saul. I meant to say Saul, guys. Sorry. About
1: well, that. when Saul, when he loses faith,
0: that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When he decides, and it, the weird thing is, it's like it almost seems almost unfair because Saul makes he's making a sacrifice to God, mm. but that's not what God told him to do. Right. God so said, wait for Samuel. Wait for Samuel. And then Samuel. as soon as he makes a sacrifice, who shows up? Sa- Samuel. Samuel. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When you said that, it reminded me of something. And that reminded me of... It's different, obviously, but there is a similarity to it. But this is more of a an arrogance. Or maybe maybe it's a little bit of arrogance on on Saul as well. Uh, Napoleon, when mm-hmm. when he was... His coronation. His coronation. So, yeah. Yeah, when he was at his coronation, um, the Pope had to place the crown on your mm-hmm. head. And in this big defiance in front of everyone, as the Pope is taking the crown, bringing it down to his head, Napoleon swipes it and crowns himself. You know, so it, that, that is so Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly <laughs> Napoleon. That's more of saying, you know, I'm the church. You know, you have no power over me, church, or God, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. And then there's,
1: that's the interesting thing, because as you have, so as you have Christianity spread into Northern Europe, and you have these barbarian peoples um, come under the aegis, aegis of a Semitic Mm -hmm. faith in the German kingship, You know, they were, kings were not uh, beyond, they couldn't do whatever they will. They had to have the support of the people. Hmm. They had to have the support of the assembly of chieftains. And if they wanted something, but the assembly voted no, then they they couldn't do it. They could call meetings. Really? You know, they could um, gather the host for war, but there were a lot of things that would, you know, kick them out if if they didn't make it work they would um if they were cowards they would be hung from a tree if or no if they were traitors or deserters they'd be hung from a tree if they were cowards they'd be drowned in the marshes you know but they were wow. not uh, it wasn't uh by divine right when oh, you have nice. the semitic um influence mm. on the germans there's still that divine link but that's where The divine right comes in. divine right comes into power. And there's actually, in this book, um, it's The Vikings by Jonathan Clemens. Mm. He writes about an interesting, uh, this area in, uh, I think, Norway called Trondheim. Yeah. It's like pretty far north. And this king, this Christian king returns, and he's trying to introduce it to his people. Mm. And the people aren't having it. They're (laughs) not having it. And finally, he just kind of has to accept it. That they're not going to go for it but he has no way of he he can't force it on them and they don't accept the idea of divine right of kings anyway but mm. and will we can talk about more later where the divine right of kings comes from with this idea of the incarnate logos right
0: re, you know absolutely over everything that taking to the to, to the extreme is King Louis the mm-hmm. 14th you know I mean he, he claimed that he was Literally, I mean, well, all the the divine, right, was God's representation on earth, Mm you know. And King Louis became king at four when his father died. Mm -hmm. And according to the laws of the kingdom at that time, this is what's wild. This always stuck with me. He became uh, not only the master, right, but the owner of the bodies and property of 19 million subjects. So Louis could do whatever he wanted to you. That is crazy. Anything he wanted, <laughs> and he also called himself the Sun King. Yeah, that, right. Which which always fascinated me, right? You know, Amun Ra is the the Sun God, right? Mm-hmm. And but Louis claimed that the planets and the Sun revolved around him, mm-hmm. and the Sun it was the symbol of the of the god Apollo. But it, they just can't help themselves, right?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, that is wild. And the thing is. In a sense, I I mean, kings can, I think in a specifically Judeo-Christian sense, kings can claim their crown in some way as ordained by God because in the traditional Christian sense, God is what? uh, Being itself, right? Mm -hmm. God is essentially that from which everything stems. And is in given rise and is sustained, so it's like nothing that happens mm. is it's either it anything that happens is either actively willed or permissively willed
2: mm. by God, right. so
1: it's if this king is the king and he's an evil king, mm. well, that doesn't mean that God actively brought it about but might have mm. permitted it, and we would say uh. if that. He might use that to bring about a greater good. Now that's not something you say to someone who is suffering under an evil king. Oh,
2: sure.
1: (laughs) It's if you understand uh, the created order as having as as being purposed, Mm -hmm. you know, and having a structure, then that's sort of where you have to go with it.
2: Right. Oh, that's not
1: to not to excuse any psycho. uh, (laughs) Now was Louis all in all a bad king did he have good parts to him or yeah he he
0: he he did strengthen france itself with military power because uh he kind of unified france Mm -hmm. with military strength because during this time you know italy is there are a bunch of city states killing each other during that time france is rising in power Mm. because they're being unified under as, as one essentially and, and France is huge. And France is huge. And King Louis kind of like maintained and established this dominance. Mm. But, but what he set in motion would be, you know, eventually the, the massive corruption, obviously, of, of all the King Louis to follow him. What's mm. crazy too is that I think he spent equivalent of today's money. I think it was $4 million on, on buttons. Like he, was, he had a huge insane button collection king louis but, obsessed with buttons four, four f- million today think about what that is back then four million dollars and what, like how many people he could have fed
1: that is really really wild and upset.
0: <laughs> but also too when if you ever see imagery in versailles his palace there's sculptures of louis the 14th as a roman god or a roman emperor it's like he wasn't never a Roman emperor, you know what I mean? <laughs> but well the interesting is- thing was we, we <laughs> you have when you see the image,
1: the icon of Christ, um Pancrator, like Christ returned, Oh, yeah, he's garbed out like a Roman emperor, or like right, I'm right. sorry, a Roman senator, mm-hmm. you know, but like that's the the Romans, man they uh they I locked know. in our Western ideal of um oh, oh,
0: it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. visual culture and ideal of all that stuff it's incredible
1: well if you see some of the statues of the founding fathers i mean
0: oh yeah the, the, the
1: outfits are right but like the you know right. there's some real austere like uh
0: yeah the equestrian sculpture yep. the equestrian sculptures mm-hmm. that was that was a roman thing F- directed from the legend of bucephala or bucephalus the the horse and alexander Alexander took his horse into all those battles. That's his horse. Mm-hmm. He named a city after his horse. So after that, every emperor had to have the horse. You know.
1: And the interesting thing, especially, I don't know, thinking in a biblical framework, is that it's all the horse, the armor, mm-hmm. the kingdom, the palace. They're all garments of skin. Yes. So Adam and Eve cast out of the garden. What, what does God do? Mm-hmm. Clothes them in garments of skin. Close them in death, essentially. Yeah, and what it's like if you start to think that way, dude. All of our clothes, our homes, our technology, our houses—they're all garments of skin meant to protect us from from death. With death, you know. Right. And so, if you have, if you have the king, who's the most powerful on earth, well, look at how I can protect myself. You know what I
0: mean? He's going
1: to the most. I don't that's know a, what word I want to use.
0: That's a that's a really good point.
1: He's going to the the farthest edge in order to yeah build that wall between him and the inevitable.
0: Wow, and and literally with King Louis, I mean Versailles is like thirty miles from Paris, <laughs> so he's like even outside of the main suffering of the people. Mm. He he's in a whole nother world. I mean, the people rarely ever. I mean, you rarely saw you know ever really. Saw the, the king. People rarely ever saw him. You know, especially Louis.
1: I just watched The uh, the Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, the movie's Not great. too long ago. <laughs> I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. I yeah. love that movie. I oh, like Dumont. It's Dumas. still great. Oh, yeah. <coughs> I got, oh, yeah. The, have you seen the trailer for the new Three Musketeers movie? I did. In looks, French? Oh. It's pretty wild. Man, I'm, I know. I'm excited.
0: It's going to be like a trilogy or something. Are you serious? Yeah, they're planning like <laughs> three movies. The whole book, the whole thing. I'm
1: pumped. I know. But <clears throat> one thing that struck me watching that movie again as an adult is this, the the beauty of the scenes, the pomp. Yeah. Everything is like <laughs> shimmering with ribbons on it. My wife was so disgusted by all the hair. The the man with the she's like, You have such so long like hair. She's <laughs> like Leonardo DiCaprio split ends. <laughs> yeah. I don't got that problem,
0: you know? It was. (coughs) Yeah, no, we don't. We don't. We're good. No, it it was the time of excess. It Mm -hmm. was just gaudy excess to the max, to the absolute max. And again, this is at the height of France's power. So how do you show it? You show it through the king. And this is. And this is what do you call the aristocrats, the the nobles.
1: Yeah. And this has got to be linked to this idea of that I am a god. What I will is done is done is mm-hmm. manifested Absolutely. every everything i desire i can make happen
0: right
1: um yeah a hundred
0: percent it's and you could see how all that power was so tempting because here you have you know although he was he was secular right napoleon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he certainly had no problem <laughs> once he got that power and became emperor he had no problem now <clears throat> showing himself looking almost like a god which mm-hmm. is so ironic. You know, if he starts off in that famous painting by Jacques-Louis David where he's he's crossing the Alps and he's pointing forward, the nation forward. He's rearing his horse. Again, the horse, right? Mm-hmm. Alluding to Alexander the Great, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Bucephalus, you know, on the horse. And he's holding the horse up, rearing it back. He's leading the nation forward. And then after that, right, what happens? He comes into power. He's an emperor. And now suddenly he looks like he is the supreme god. Yeah, he is. He is suddenly God incarnate. In fact, the laurel
1: wreath and the laurel wreath, which yeah. is
0: gold, mm-hmm. right? So it's like Caesar, but gold. But the throne behind him looks like this giant halo uh-huh. of mandorla, and it's just. It, and he's holding the scepter of Charlemagne, something that looks like the scepter of mm-hmm. Charlemagne, right there, the king. Uh, it's. It's incredible. So it's just so funny that once they get into that seat, like the the idea of of like you say, my will be done here. And know?
1: it's so interesting. And I don't know a lot of Napoleonic history or about the man himself, but I know France was called the daughter of the Church. You know, mm-hmm. it's so Catholic, or it was. Oh, yeah. sure. You know, I, I'm like, where? What was the Church like? I'm sure there were a lot of fat and happy bishops. Here and there, but I'm sure there are a lot of angry, you know, priests and bishops as well. And the Pope couldn't have been. Oh, when Napoleon? Oh no!
0: Oh, absolutely not! No, he completely. They did not like him. Yeah, yeah, uh, because also he he also didn't like. You know, the people also had associated the church with the monarchy Mm -hmm. because it gave King Louis divine right. Mm. So, you know, the rebels really associated church and king together Mm. so it was different you know because this mm -hmm. this tension between
1: what between the uh the the king and and you know the and god like like, you know that's it's this weird tension that exists because i was reading one of these books i can't remember whose coronation it was but it was a description of a coronation ceremony. I think it was Edward the Confessor.
0: Oh, Edward the Confessor.
1: And the king's the king would w- walk into the church. He'd be guided into the church by two bishops. Mm-hmm. He would remove his crown before mm-hmm. stepping into the church. And then he would make, I don't know what it meant, he'd kneel, or he'd make some sort of gesture of humility before the altar.
2: Yeah.
1: And then would, you know, orate. Promises to forbid evil in his kingdom and you make, you know, all these other promises before God and then the archbishop would crown him again, pronounce a blessing. And the main point being that the king has been consecrated in service to God, that he is a servant and he's meant to be a servant,
2: Mm.
1: you know, (laughs) of, of what's, of what's higher, not servant, you know, not a. Right to himself
0: to himself right it's supposed to be a servant to God
1: yeah oh wow because that's the idea is, is he is beholden to the transcendent mm-hmm and that's right. why the people are meant to be loyal to him Oh wow. is <laughs> a proper hierarchy and I'm uh, paraphrasing Jonathan Peugeot but it's what what is below submits to that which is above because mm-hmm. that which is above cares for and loves that which is below. And a oh, good no. king and this is actually an interesting connection back to uh um so Beowulf literature. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, one of the good kennings, one of the good um old like German kennings for king was ring giver. Ring You know and a good king he gave rings, he gave gifts, mm-hmm. he gave, you know, treasures to his chieftains and to his yeah. people. You know? But uh, that's what a good king did. Was to share, you know, share wealth, make sure the people were taken care of.
0: That's fascinating. Before we wrap then, I want to talk about now, we talked about all this iconography, right? And Mm -hmm. since it is the Christmas season, you establish all of this iconography, right? This established form of rules you need, right? As Mm -hmm. a god king, Mm -hmm. you need to have that incredible lineage, which of course, right? Christ does have, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to have all these other things that need to happen uh but right it's it, everything about the iconography though in terms of his person is the antithesis yep <laughs> <laughs> a total juxtaposition of mm-hmm. every god king that came before yeah which is fascinating because when you look at the old testament and you just said that story about what god says to to Saul mm-hmm. right you know, it's this, or even to the people, you know, yep. everything is not in the way of this world, right? Yeah. It's like, stop operating along these rules here. Mm-hmm. You know, my rules are different. You're yes. thinking too much like this, yep. like this world. You're operating on this, on the earthly plane here. Mm-hmm. And then we're given a God King, right? The people are given a God King now that is not at all what they expect. And what yeah. have they been conditioned to believe? Yeah, it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> and you hear, you hear in in the Gospels, you keep, you have that line: like, "Can anything good come from Nazareth?" Right? <laughs> Isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? Like, this, right? What? Who is the, like this constant shock and like disbelief? Like, you can you can hear the people's eyebrows raised. They're like, "What?" Yeah, like, right. uh, who is this? You know. Um, and that's—I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today. It was uh, talking about Advent and Christmas and the the fact that they they're so sentimentalized. And it's like I love Christmas and Advent. Don't get me wrong; oh, they're they're beautiful, warm holidays. But it's like what they really are
2: mm-hmm.
1: is not at their core a sentimental, nice, cozy meeting. Like at the time, especially like in the Gospel of Luke, when they're writing. um, you know, Jesus Christos, you know, mm-hmm. Christ is Lord. Right. That is a direct insult to yeah. Caesar, because no, no, it's what is it? Um, uh, Kaiser Kyrios. Right, right. Caesar is Lord. Yes. To say that, to say Christ is Lord. Was it was it was those were fighting words?
0: Oh, sure. Oh, you'd be condemned, you'd be dead, <laughs> <laughs> like dead, like really capital dead. punishment. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and many of them were. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's it's funny to go back and, and read those and realize that you know, so Caesar would send evangelists after he won a great victory tell the people, mm. I slaughtered a million Gauls, tell the yeah. people this, that, exactly. you know, and then. You have what we think of as evangelists now, who they're going to spread the good, news, the good news, and it's it's a complete. And then you we have what we call the church militant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so <laughs> wow, there's you're such right. a military structure to it, mm-hmm. but we it's like we don't even see it,
0: right? But the it's hounds the, of the Lord, right? Yeah,
1: it, yeah. and it's the but it, the whole like you're right. the The whole thing is a paradox in that you have. A child, a king born, you know, under the star, but in the most humble of exactly. circumstances. Right.
0: Um, it, it and it doesn't get any more humble.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then the entire culmination of his kingship is to be the sacrifice for his people. Right. You know? And right. what is his crown? Storms. Thorns.
0: It's thorns. What is right? his
1: throne? The cross. Across, <laughs> you know, everything. Form of everything is inverted. There's no comfort here. There's no. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, and and you could see right how what, the people mm-hmm. when when they're seeing that they're like this. This is the antithesis of the iconography mm-hmm. right, of what of what the earthly emperor right now. You know, mm-hmm. He, the one who who is in earthly power. Mm-hmm. he he he's got this breastplate you know Mm -hmm. he's he's orating to the people he's on a horse yep ready for war you know it's it's incredibly fascinating when we when we go through each one and then we get to the iconography right of of jesus it's incredibly different
1: yeah and and then later on when the first christians are trying to make sense of just like what the hell just happened yeah they come to what is it so uh, christ is understood as the word incarnate Mm -hmm. so the word god spoke at the beginning of time to bring something out of nothing right creation into into being and then that word being the logos Mm-hmm. So the ordering principle of all reality. Right. Um, and so what what you have then is an understanding of proper kingship mm-hmm. is the king is meant to be the ordering principle of his kingdom. He's meant to be a little Christ. But right. then Christ right. is the ordering principle of all reality.
0: Of all reality. Of
1: all reality.
0: Of all kings. Of yeah. Yeah. That's... It's 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 so fascinating. It's so incredibly fascinating, and like we said too, you know. Oh, first off, his 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 lineage, right? Yep. It goes from Mary or Joseph to it David.
1: Goes so he claims it. I think through jo- Joseph because Joseph was the house of David.
0: Joseph was the house yeah. of David. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: So Joseph works his way as a descendant all the way to imagine all this lineage of kings and to be a humble carpenter
1: yep right. but he he also had you know wasn't ruth a descendant oh but yeah really. he has a descendant who's a prostitute i mean he's got descendants from every strata of of the uh social hierarchy but that's also i think why you have this idea of christ as the cosmic king mm-hmm. because christ he fills the entire hierarchy. He's king, mm. but he's criminal. He's, you know, mm. first and last. Wow. He's judge, and he's the victim. Right. You know, he fills the hierarchy. Um, oh, and this, wow. and it, his lineage does that as well.
0: Sure. So it's it's almost like the living incarnation of the lineage in the same way, right? But then what he the does
1: that. is that he then shows, like, so what is what is the proper mode of being and that Mm. is self-giving love and it's not a pretty thing, you know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's not a pretty, you know, sentimental thing. It's like, that's why we hold that image up there so that we, you know, we don't forget. Um, But that is why I think that when we think of the proper King, the Mm. hero, that self-sacrifice
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's not something that is like is a pagan idea
0: sure you know no. that's i mean the I whole think thing.
1: it's it's such a christian yeah creation and it's changed the world and it's changed our storytelling entirely where we read it back into all the old myths oh sure you know yeah. um you know it, and it's cool. Like I'd rather watch, have my daughters watch uh, Disney's Christified Hercules than, you uh, know, <laughs> the actual Hercules. <laughs> Would you though? I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that anymore. But. Yeah. Oh no, that's 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 incredible. That really is. Yeah, because it's it's the complete antithesis of the the pagan ideal of what a king is. Mm-hmm. You know. But, oh my goodness.
1: That's also why we can call, say, kings and the church, you know, mm-hmm. to repent when they are acting, uh, you know, out of accord with that ideal. Mm. So it's like people can be angry with the king or with the church for any number of reasons. They have been since the beginning. right? But it's like, but the standard by which you are judging mm-hmm. the king or the church is the standard that, that that you're still beholden to, and that's embodied in this cosmic story?
0: In the cosmic story, yeah, yeah, that's it's so incredible. It's what
1: well, I had. a I had so much fun like reading for this. Uh. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, and that's what's so incredible too. Like you don't like you. you can appreciate all of this storytelling. You can appreciate all of this history. Mm-hmm. All every aspect of all of this stuff. It's it's. It is just, as an artist and a mm. writer, this is fuel, unbelievable yeah. fuel for creativity.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful mystery to play in. <laughs> yes, exactly. It really is great. <laughs> totally stuff, well said. Just, yeah.
0: Completely well said.
1: And one thing I'll just say before we wrap up. So, like, not, I want to say I don't like this modernist kind of tendency that we might have to look back at these people and say like okay so like the ancient germans or say the ancient romans like they're inventing a story Mm -hmm. of their descendant from this god or or goddess or something it's like first of all people don't really operate that way we're much different maybe in that we're so secular but it's like I you, you don't. It's just not something that I would buy. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I, and I and I, I think that history is far stranger. Absolutely, it's far more interesting. Oh, you good. know, people are far stranger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The world is very strange. Yeah. You know, and so and it's not the way that they wrote about yes. their their lives and their encounters. You know, so mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that I have a, a answer or that I think that you know. Thor was sitting there having a beer with the boys, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> there was what you mean. something odd. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like I, I'm fighting like hell to oh, yeah. not let my kids like disappear into this. Like my daughter got a book and it was like, the fun thing about monsters is monsters aren't real. And I was like. That's terrible. <laughs> First that's so of all, ter- <laughs> monsters are a category. And they're yeah. very apt. <laughs> they're very real. <laughs> Don't worry, honey. Monsters <laughs> are totally real. <laughs> Keep your light on tonight. <laughs> so I just want to be clear. I, when when we're talking to this, I'm certainly not, you know, coming from that
0: perspective. That I agree with you. I'm the same yeah. way. Yeah. Listen, there. I, I am a firm believer that there are mysteries in life and that there's magnitude to those mysteries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's particularly from history. And we have to respect that. Mm-hmm. To just, I think it's a very modern thing to just say, "Oh, those people were just—they were so shrooms. stupid, and we're yeah. so
1: smart." Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, But oh, the yeah. shroom thing! Oh gosh, that's my favorite. Right? That all—all all of this stuff, right? All yeah. based on that. Come on, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, it's just you know the way of trying to trying to rationalize the 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 thing we can't fully comprehend. Or is it beyond us?
1: You know. It's like, oh, we figured it out. We figured it out. Even though this one ingredient was part of an entire (laughs) ritual that would require days of fasting and prayer and meditation and trial before you were even worthy of receiving the thing you you got. You're good. You're the (laughs) one. (laughs) Go. It's good stuff. The one ring to rule them all.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, that's great! Oh my goodness, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. I had a blast. Me uh, I, I, too. I always get excited when Tyler and I finally we we go back and forth in DMs, and we're trying to yep. nail down what a topic would be, and then we're both like, "That's it." Yeah, t- yeah. All right, I'll be back. <laughs> Is this going to weird them out? Probably. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: Yeah. But thank uh, you guys for following along, and
0: yeah, we appreciate enjoy it. it. Yeah, we enjoyed a great deal, and check out the links in the description you have uh, uh, the links to my web store to Tyler's web store and of course alternatecomics.com where you could pick up our books Blood Realm and Tyler's book uh, Red Koi
1: and so, back the fall campaign
0: and back the fall campaign i have i think i believe i have that link in there i have to check All right, everybody have a great night thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time thanks take guys take care everybody